Well, bond yields rose sharply again on Friday, with 10 years reaching their highest level since February last year, so maybe it's recovery hopes, although that's not really the case in Europe, with Italy heading back into lockdown, faced with another wave of the virus. They've got to get vaccinated. Well, it seems to be working for the US and the UK that seem to be pushing it out quicker, although trade numbers for the UK show it's not just COVID that they have to worry about. There's that whole Brexit thing too. And a busy week ahead with the Fed meeting and the Australian employment and retail sales numbers out later in the week. Plus the RBA Minutes tomorrow. It's Monday, the 15th of March, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Big moves on government bonds at the end of the week. Ten-year treasuries up nine basis points. The same for 10-year gilts in the UK and Canada. Ten years there were up 15 basis points. And with that, uh, we're back on track with the uh, the rotation story. It seems the Dow was up 0.9%, but the Nasdaq lost 0.6%. So financial stocks and transport doing well. Tech stocks not so good. And shares down in Europe too. At least the DAX and the Eurostox 50 were, but the FTSE 100 managed to uh, lift uh, up about a third of 1%. And the US dollar was up a bit on Friday on the DXY after a week on the slide, so it finished the week about a third of 1% up. Actually, its peak on Friday, it was up 0.6%, but it lost uh, half of that on the day, and 0.3%, incidentally, is how much the Aussie dollar lost on Friday as well, to finish uh, just over 77.6 US cents. The pound was down half percent, as was the Japanese yen, but the Canadian dollar... The only one of the G10 currencies that was up, we'll explain why that was in just a moment, and oil losing ground, a 0.6% drop in WTI, a 1% drop in copper too. Uh, Tapa Strickland is NAB's Director Economics for Markets in Sydney. This could be a telling week for, for bonds, couldn't it? Because we've got the Fed meeting in the middle of uh, the week and releasing its forecasts. But, you know, they've been telling the same story for a while now. But if you look at those yield movements on Friday... I mean, what's that telling us? It seems like people don't believe them when they say that the rates are going to remain untouched for uh, for years to come. 1.625% is the yield on 10-year treasuries uh, back to a month or so before the pandemic became big news. That's that's the rate it was back then. Good morning, Phil. Yes, those yield moves on Friday were quite startling. And just worth noting, the 10-year US Treasury yield did reach a high of 1.64%. So uh, all yeah. that did close at uh, 1.62. It's just worth noting, it did uh, have a higher intraday high. Uh, and when you actually look into the components of that uh, 10-year nominal yield, the inflation break-even component uh, actually fell 1.2 basis points to 2.28%. Mm. Uh, and that did head a little bit lower after the University of Michigan survey saw consumer inflation expectations steady to lower. But the big heavy lifting was really done by the real yield component, and that was up by around 10 basis points to minus 0.65%. And you're talking about the US dollar before, and uh, it's definitely the real yield differential that matters in the FX space. And uh, the rise in US real yields is adding a little bit of support to the US dollar. And then importantly, most of the moves in bonds, uh, the biggest moves occurring at the longer end of the curve. So you're starting to see the yeah. two tens curve uh, steepen there. Uh, in terms of where markets pricing the Fed, uh, when you look at uh, 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 Fed funds expectations um, in three years' time, uh, they're suggestive of uh, four four rate hikes in three years' time. So it does suggest the market is uh, becoming a little bit more optimistic in terms of where the U.S. is heading, and no surprises there. You've had the U.S. stimulus bill passed uh, on, on Thursday and signed into law. 
And yeah. in addition to that, uh, Biden, uh, President Biden was out on Thursday night, uh, late late Thursday night, saying um, the US vaccination plan is running ahead of schedule and that uh, by May, um, everyone who wants a vaccine should be able to have one. Yeah, staggering, isn't it? The speed it's, at which it's happening. Same in the UK, of course. Just going back to the Fed, there was a, a survey uh, of Bloom, by Bloomberg of economists, on, on, which was out on Friday, that not only showed that most were saying, well, look, we're not expecting rates to rise uh, before the end of 2023. But also, uh, the, the half the economists questioned didn't expect the Fed were going to start tapering their asset purchases until next year. In fact, less than 5% said it's going to start in Q2 this year. So basically, the bulk of it was Q4 this year and most saying Q1 next year. Oh, definitely. So uh, at this meeting, we think uh, rates and guidance are expected to be largely unchanged, but uh, those forecasts will be refreshed. And many of those members who submit dot points will need to incorporate uh, the fiscal stimulus within their forecast horizon. So you could see a little bit of um, upgrades in terms of the forecast outlook. Uh, and then if you recall in the December FLMC meeting when they last had forecasts, um, there was a few Fed officials forecasting hikes in uh, 2023 and just one Fed member forecasting a hike in 2022. So I think markets will be looking at that dot plot and looking at the distribution and seeing whether more Fed members are tipping their view uh, towards the possibility of rate hikes in uh, 2023. And then the other thing that markets are looking at is whether uh, the Fed will extend the exemption of treasuries uh, uh, from and reserves from the calculation of the supplementary leverage ratio. And that uh, during the pandemic allowed banks to have more flexibility to use their balance sheets for activities such as lending. Now that same survey that you noted uh, said about 65% of participants are expecting a temporary exemption. Uh, if we didn't get one, uh, then it's possible that you do get a move higher in yields on the back of that as well. And finally, just quickly on the, your points on QE, uh, just worth noting that uh, the RBA uh, has been saying that their QE program is somewhat tied to what is happening internationally, particularly the Fed. Mm. And uh, in that respect, if the Fed is going to be continuing um, – QE, uh, the current amount until uh, Q1 2022 and only tapering thereafter. And uh, the Bloomberg survey also said they expect the Fed to cease purchases in the first half of 2023. Uh, then it's more than likely than the RBA is going to be uh, undertaking QE for quite some time. Right. And uh, look, we have got used to, haven't we, saying that you know the data is looking good for the United States, not so good for Europe because the vaccination rollout is so slow. But actually, if we look at the data on Friday and over the weekend, it was pretty good everywhere. So the Michigan Consumer sentiment read went from 76.8 to 83. Euro area industrial production was expected to fall in January, but actually increased a little bit. The UK's GDP did fall, but nowhere near as much as expected. So it has been generally positive, which I guess we've seen that the flight from bonds and, uh, and and from tech stocks as well as a result of all of this. And the Canadian employment numbers, which uh, we'll come to as well, were really good too. Uh, so, I mean, generally, the, the, the numbers are looking pretty sharp wherever you look. Definitely. And as you alluded to just then, uh, I think the conversation for this week is going to be turning uh, in regards to the relative uh, success in combating the virus. And uh, this US CDC uh, said in the US, 13.5% of the entire adult population has been fully vaccinated now. And uh, just over 66 million people have received at least one shot of the uh, of the vaccine. Um, so that rollout is occurring uh, relatively fast in, in the US. And in contrast, in Europe, uh, you've got um, some of the vaccine candidates that had been approved, such as the AstraZeneca one, um, a number of European nations are calling halts on that uh, due to fears of uh, clotting. 
And then the other one is is uh, the number of virus cases is just is, is starting to increase in, in Germany and has been increasing in Italy for yeah. some time. And uh, I mean, on, Italy, uh, Italy is twenty seven thousand cases in Italy on Saturday, the highest since November. So so take your pick. Well, there's been a few cases of clotting, twenty seven thousand cases per day now of people uh, contracting the virus. They seem to have got it out of proportion a little bit, don't they? Well, it, it does seem like that, but obviously everyone is very cautious just given uh, it's, mm. it's a very new vaccine. I think there were 30 cases of clotting and 5 million uh, vaccine doses of the AstraZeneca um, issued. Mm. So they're taking a very conservative approach, no doubt, but it's just important to know that Italy goes into lockdown from, from Monday and will persist yeah. to at least uh, the Easter weekend. And it could have political uh, repercussions as well, because over the weekend, Angela Merkel's uh, CDU party, there was uh, they had they had regional elections in, in, in two regions uh, before, of course, they've got uh, the parliamentary elections in September. Uh, and uh, the exit polls look like uh, the CDU party has really taken a beating uh, out of this. And, and a YouGov poll on Friday as well, showing the vast majority of people People not impressed by the way the government has been handling the virus. So there's uh, there's political flow on from all of this. Uh, definitely, and uh, the the other um, thing is the reason why we're seeing uh, virus upsurge. It does seem like. Um a number of countries have eased restrictions, uh, given that uh, the number of virus cases were he- heading down ahead of a uh, uh, greater proportion of their population being vaccinated. And you're seeing that trend also occurring in some parts of the US where a lot of, uh, a lot of, say, you would have to say the Republican states are very eager to lift some of those, uh, coronavirus restrictions, even though the vaccine rollout is progressing better than expected, uh, you'd probably want to have a greater share of uh, vaccination numbers there. And there's a number of observers saying whether the US will follow Europe in this uh, third or fourth wave of, of the virus. So that's something to, to watch out for in the next uh, couple of weeks. But for risk markets, I think they can still price the other side of this recovery, just given it's more about a, a matter of timing in terms of vaccines. Yeah. Now, those I did say we talk about Canada, uh, Canadian dollar, uh, the only currency of the, the major currencies that actually rose against the the US dollar on Friday and that was because their Canadian uh, em- employment numbers I mean really bolstered the, the value of the Canadian dollar didn't it Oh yes, uh, the, the, those employment uh, prints were absolutely shot the lights out. Plus two hundred and fifty nine thousand versus seventy five thousand expected, and the unemployment rate dropped from nine point four percent to eight point two percent. So quite a startling mm. labour market print there. And as you're noting earlier, uh, the Canadian ten year government bond yield increased by fifteen basis points, and the market is now toying with the possibility of the Bank of Canada hiking its cash rate by March next now, year. Now in the UK, uh, so mixed news there in that the GDP numbers were better than expected, but uh, look, Brexit reared its ugly head, didn't it? Because we saw the trade numbers. Trade numbers, the exports to the EU in January fell by 40%. And you've got to say it's Brexit because exports to non-EU countries uh, actually rose. So uh, David Frost, who led the Brexit uh, advisor, uh, who was the Brexit advisor basically in the UK government, is trying to blame it all on people stocking up before the event, before the uh, uh, the end of December. But, you know, let's see what happens in, in, in February. But, I mean, you know, this is the, we'd be talking a lot about this, wouldn't we, if we didn't have a virus going on uh, at the moment? Very much so. And just worth noting the relative performance between the UK and, and the EU, uh, if you go back to the vaccine rollouts, the UK is continuing to roll out uh, its vaccine quite a lot. So I don't think the market is paying too much attention to the uh, kind of mm. trade headlines that are coming out and more focused on the yeah, reopening story. So uh, this week uh, we get, well, as well as the FOMC, we also have the uh, the Bank of England. We get Australian employment numbers. Uh, we get retail sales later in the week as well. And the RBA minutes today, uh, we've also got Philip Lowe is going to be talking as well, but he's only talking for 15 minutes, isn't he? Isn't he? So we shouldn't get too excited about that. 
Yes, uh, the RBA minutes are on Tuesday, but we do yeah, have of a course. Of, uh, yeah, just making sure you're paying today. attention, Tabas. Um, for employment, NAB is seeing a bit of upside risk to the consensus there uh, based on very positive labour demand indicators. And we've penciled in 50,000 jobs for February, and the consensus is 30,000, and for the unemployment rate to fall two tenths to 6.2% from 6.4%. And just as noting, should employment print at what we're expecting, then employment would be just 0.1% below pre pandemic levels, or just 14,000 jobs away from this time last year. And that would be a startling turnaround in terms of the labour market. We'll continue to see markets pricing in the chances of the RBA lifting rates before their guidance. And what's your take for this week then? Do you think that we will see yields continue to rise? And also, uh, I mean, equities, we we keep on seeing that that cyclical rotation and then it seems to rotate back back again. Is it is it going to continue the way it is now? Are we going to see tech stocks easing off uh, and some of more of those uh, those cyclical stocks starting to gain some ground again. Well, it's it's interesting with regards to that. If you look over the past month, um, energy stocks are up nearly twenty percent. Financial stocks are up ten percent. Industrials are up seven percent, and the S and P five hundred mm. technology sector is down five point four percent. So you'd have to say, right. although there has been the day to day ups and downs, <laughs> uh, the overall cyclical yeah. rotation story is definitely there, and I think that will continue to play out. Uh, as for the Fed, and I think that will be the major driver of yields this week, yeah. and it's unlikely Powell will push back too hard on the way yields are going. Um, just given equity markets haven't really quivered in the way of higher uh, yields, uh, financial conditions in the US haven't really tightened up by all that much. And quickly before we go, some numbers out of China as well today. Yes, that's right. We get the monthly activity numbers for retail sales, fixed asset investment and industrial production. And we're likely to see some eye-popping growth numbers there just given the base effects, given the pandemic hit uh, in the January-February period this time last year. Right. Well, eye-popping for you. I'm not sure it'll be eye-popping for everybody, but uh, if it makes you happy, tap us. <laughs> we'll catch you again very soon. Thanks for coming on. Uh, cheers. Thanks, Phil. He gets very excited about numbers, doesn't he? That's it for this Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. Have a great day. See you then.